one podcast in all the world. There's more than one. Okay, one amongst several podcasts in all the world about the Chosen One. She who is born to hunt the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness. She is Buffy! Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. Cue cheesy sitcom music. Sitcom. That would be that would be an interesting. It's like that episode of Supernatural oh, where, <laughs> yeah, the changing channels. Where yes. it's like it just shows them like dusting a vampire slayer, and they all put their hands on their hips and look at the camera like silly vampires. <laughs> oh, Buffy. <laughs> oh, Xander. There are a couple times when they do like make a terrible pun when I feel like the camera should like zoom in on their face and like go. Wait for the audience and then go, oh! Giles looks at the camera like he's on The Office. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, welcome back to another episode of Watcher's Cast. I am Lillian Kroc. And I am Hannah Boyance. And today we will be talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 1, Episode 2, The Harvest. The Harvest is the second part to a two-part series opener. If you have not watched the first two episodes before listening to this podcast, I highly recommend you go watch it. It is currently on Netflix. And probably some other streaming service, but we know of Netflix. Netflix, for sure. Um, But, that being said, this is not spoiler-free. So, if you haven't watched episode one and episode two, please go watch them now. And Mm -hmm. that is just eternal for every episode, because there are lots of spoilers. Here in this podcast, we have the intention to dissect the themes and uh, character development through each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the perspective of me, who has watched the show since uh, she was, like, ten, and from (laughs) Lily's perspective. My perspective, and I only started watching this show about three months ago, which would have been, it's October now, so... Probably about September. There you go. August. Yeah, That's that... less than three months ago. Time is irrelevant. <laughs> None of us can do math. Time we... is an illusion. We are we are art majors. What is math? Okay. Anyway, no offense to other art majors who can do math. Uh, <laughs> like, we're not making a generalization. We're, we're making not. a joke. Hashtag not all art majors. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyway, before we get into politics, uh, so, yes, so we're talking about the harvest. So first, let's talk about the general plot of the episode. Okay, so where we last left our heroes, Buffy was about to be devoured by the masters, the master vampire, of course, the master's minion, Luke. Dun, dun, dun! After Buffy had just gotten settled in her new high school life and had just accidentally revealed herself to be the one chosen one in all the world to her friend, new friends Willow, Xander, and Jesse. Wah, 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 wah. And also after being 
forced back into her role by the introduction of her watcher, Giles. Dun, da, da. The high school librarian who wants to guide Buffy on her path to becoming the Slayer and defeating the dark forces which surround the hellmouth that is Sunnydale. <laughs> which is Buffy's new home. I'm officially the sound effects guy. I love it! On this episode. I like that guy in Zootopia. Sorry, cat. Who's off in the corner making all the sound effects for the, the show. Yeah. So, let's get into the plot of this episode. Cool. So, basically, like we said, the harvest is just a continuation. So this is part two. So we left off and we pick up right where we left off. Luke is just a... He's like leaning over Buffy and he's about to bite her. Uh, but... In the last episode, if you'll remember, a strange, handsome man gives Buffy a cross necklace. And vampires uh, are burned when they touch a cross, so mm -hmm. that's what averts Luke from biting Buffy, and she uses the opportunity to escape and save Willow and Xander. But Jesse, our favorite high school guy... Buddy! ...is dude. mysteriously... Forgotten about... And the vampires take him to their lair, to the master. Yes. He's our token kill. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, his, he does die in this episode. He is turned into a vampire uh, to show uh, the audience what happens to someone when they do become a vampire is they lose their soul. Right. Their moral conscience. They no longer care about anyone. Well, that's not necessarily true. They do have some semblances of their former life. Like but the first person Jesse goes after when he becomes a vampire is his high school crush, which mm -hmm. is Cordelia. Uh, but they have no moral conscience. They don't empathize. They don't right. feel... Right. All of their feelings and emotions are obsessive and completely self-gratification. Yes. It's not... None of it's uh, selfless. Right. It's all about the kill and blood and death and sex. Exactly. And like exactly. The blood, mostly. Basically, Jesse gets captured by the vampires. And they decide to use him as bait so that they can catch right, the Slayer. Right, because he's an idiot and he mentions the Slayer. Luke says something about the yeah, Slayer. Yeah, he said, she fought me and she lives. So, it's probably a Slayer. She's here! Oh, yeah. in Sunnydale! In Sunnydale! Um, so, Buffy decides to go venture into the sewer systems so that she can find Jesse. Right. And the entrance to the Master's Lair. Right. Xander decides he'll tag along as Willow and Giles research this event that Luke mentioned Mostly in the last because episode Xander coming wants, up. Xander wants to find his buddy. Yeah, Xander wants to find his buddy, and I think he really has... He has a thing for Buffy. He definitely has a thing. Oh, for sure. So Do, the, is it love or obsession? We don't know. It's an erection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, oh... As Willow and Giles uh, form the research side, Xander decides to go back up Buffy in the sewers, uh, where they meet Vampire Jesse and s several of the Masters, Vampire Minions. They escape the sewers, and Xander develops a very important aspect of his character. Mm -hmm. He is very resentful that the vampires killed one of his best friends in the whole world. Well, not just killed him, but made him one of them. He made him the soulless creature who doesn't even care about him anymore. Right. And not only doesn't care, but tried to kill him. Yes. And so this is a really important aspect of Xander's character because it comes back a lot later in the show. There are multiple times where his resentment toward the vampire actually occasionally hinders the plot, even. Wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Xan, well, hinders in a way that he'll cause, it'll cause drama or tension, not hinders in a way that Right, it, not that it stops. Like not a good aspect. Exactly, but it's it, it hinders <laughs> other characters' yes. developments and relationships. Mm -hmm. 
etc. We also learn vi- some very interesting new information in that the mysterious man that Buffy met in the um, alleyway is an ally. He is an um, ally, and his name is Angel, and he has no friends. He's an angel. He has no friends. He That's doesn't awesome. have any friends. No, he just hangs around alleys. Poor Angel, giving women cross necklaces. Well, yeah, Angel has the appearance of like. A 25-year-old, wouldn't you say? I'd 24? Say, yeah, that's a, that's a accurate. And Buffy is supposed to be, like, 16. 16. <laughs> so 16. This is a little more than creepy. They do set up some kind of tension between them. Right. Um, well, I'm mostly the I'm going to kill you if you keep following me tension from Buffy, and the which is you good. have to do your duty tension kind of almost like He's big very... brotherly slash fatherly tension from Angel. Yeah, sure. It, no, just, I mean, he's like, you have to do your job. Yeah, he, he definitely wants to see her, like, win. He's on her side. Right. Pretty much. He doesn't, Mostly. like, go out out of his way and say it, but he doesn't, he's cryptic. He'll, like, say some of the most useless information, like, before she goes into the master's lair, he's like, don't do that. And she's like, but I gotta. And, <laughs> and she does like, it anyway. Buffy, no. And Buffy, she, yes. <laughs> Buffy, That's, that no. That also is a very important aspect of Buffy's character. She will break the rules, and she will do what it takes when someone she cares about is in distress. Even someone as insignificant as Jesse. <laughs> Which brings us back to Jesse. Jesse. He is a guy. When he's a vampire, the first person he goes after is Cordelia because right. she was his childhood obsession. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if crush is really even the right word for that. He just wanted a boner. Yeah. So, um, anyway, Buffy's going into the crypt and... Oh, and they reveal that the master has a plan to release himself from his church prison by doing a ceremony called the harvest where Luke becomes his vessel and the more people he kills and eats on the surface, then the master will gain more power down below and he'll be able to break free of his prison and wreak havoc on Sunnydale. Buffy and crew are having none of it. None. It's technically the first shows, the shows, I don't know if it would count as an apocalypse because... I don't know not if the white. No, it's not quite the first We're apocalypse of the show. Give it to the end of the season. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think like if there was any ap- Well, not not I mean, this show will make you learn the plural of apocalypse. Yes. And you will know that there can be multiple apocalypsi. Apocalypti? Apocalypses? Yeah, apocalypses. Apocalypses? Apocalypsos. <laughs> Apocalyptos is a great movie, but really gory and terrible, and I had to watch it for my history class. I'm a gore hound, so... Oh, we'll have to watch it sometime, because it's awful. That'll be another interesting contrast, in that I, I do love horror movies. Right. As long as they, like, have something endearing, like, they have a really creative, uh, story, like, monster, they have a really interesting way of being filmed, they have really good characters, or they're funny. See, I've never really been able to stomach horror... Which I think might even be a little bit of the reason why I was reluctant to get into Buffy. Mm-hmm. Because it was listed under that horror comedy genre. Yes. That's the thing about Buffy. These and The monsters are more metaphors for what she has to overcome in her life than personally actual... Personally and emotionally, yes. Than actual, um... Monsters. Monsters. Yeah. You know, and there's like, nothing it's less super Halloween. scary. There are a couple episodes that, like... Branch into that definite horror um, okay, but theme, but like, for the most part, it's it's not like that at all. I rate like I th- the the episode that scarred me the most 
was Supernatural Episode 3, Bloody Mary. Yeah, that and was... And anything, nothing can be scarier than that. And if anything is scarier than that, I won't watch it. You know Fair. what I mean? Yes. And nothing on Buffy's been scarier than that. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. gory, and for little kids it might be a little much, but for 18 and 19-year-olds... Well, that's the thing. I watched this show when I was, like, 10, and it was what helped me get over my fear of, like, the dark, my fear of monsters, because I could identify with Buffy. If this, this small little blonde girl could kick ass, why not me? Right. Well, she has supernatural she powers, time, but that's besides the point. Well, she was only six years older than you, technically, at that time. I technically, mean, yes. Buffy, the character. Yes. Not the actress. Right. No, she Sarah Michelle Gellar was, like, I'm assuming 20. Or maybe even a little older than that. I'm not sure. I know um, the actress who plays Harmony in this episode. Harmony is Cordelia's subordinate. She. This is the first episode she appears in. And she, I don't know, I don't know if I want to say too much. She Don't say too much because Harmony is important later, but not until much later. Right now she's kind of, she's just there. She's there to prove that Cordelia has a ton of people who are scrambling for her approval. Right. Like Harmony. She's, she's a she. Yes. And yes, that's all we need to say about Harmony. She's the annoying blonde cheerleader stereo, dumb blonde cheerleader stereotype. She's bad. <laughs> Yes, she is bad. <laughs> um, yeah. And then that reminds me, there's the scene where we first meet Harmony where Cordelia and Harmony are talking about Buffy while doing a computer project and Willow plays them all for fools. And there's this guy who is the epitome of the 90s surfer dude when they're talking about Buffy and he just pops into the frame with his long, cool dude hair and his soul patch going, Who are you talking about? That strange girl from L.A.? All right! <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, you. You. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's a wonderful actor. And hey, I remember him, so he did something, right? Hey, he did something. Yep. After Buffy is caught sneaking off campus to try to save Jessie, her mom grounds her, but Buffy doesn't give no shit about rules. Or she, maybe she does. Well, she does, but like she's like, Mom, I have a great super destiny you don't understand. And she's like, I've read all the parenting books. <laughs> oh, Joyce. Joyce, she just tries. And she, she even <laughs> says, like, you know, if you want to stay up here and sulk, fine. But if you want to come and have dinner with me, yay. Which is a sweet thing for a mom to say. I oh, thought mom. she I thought she handled it the best she could under the circumstances. Especially since they were extenuating circumstances that she didn't understand. Yes. And, um... You know, things that were out of anybody's control, mm-hmm. to be honest. So there's one, there's one shot I absolutely love after she gets grounded where Buffy pulls out her chest and she opens it and she, you see the typical girly things of it. And they <laughs> represent the two sides of Buffy. One that is just her with her girly side, her childish side, the side that she There's grew like up stuffed with. animals and clothes makeup, and makeup. Yeah. And then... She removes that shelf and puts it aside, and underneath it are all these weapons and crosses and books about Which killing vampires. Which is almost vampires. like a metaphor within itself, because the outer shell mm-hmm. is the fluffy, girly side, and the interior is the kick-butt, hardcore, gonna-stab-you-through-the-heart-with-my-wooden-peg. And yet, they're both in the same chest. For Buffy to be Buffy, you can't have one without the other. Right. I mean, that those are the two parts of her personality, and even though they're so different... They make her who she is. Mm -hmm. And this actually shows a very interesting shift in Buffy's character, because no longer does she say, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. She realizes at this point she has no choice. Like, it's either this or people die. And she's not 
willing to let that happen, which I think is an important development to her character. Exactly. Uh, Willow actually kicks a little bit of ass, too, because, like, she throws holy water at one of the vampires when they start attacking people at the bronze. She does, that's true. And it's Darla, too. It's not just any vampire. It's the first vampire we ever see. Yeah. Oh, Darla. And then uh, Xander accidentally kills Jesse, and Buffy faces off against Luke, the master's vessel, so that the master cannot be free. If you didn't think Xander was injured before by vampires, imagine having to kill your vampire friend. Oh man. He's so damaged. <laughs> do, do, do. Do, do, do. I killed my friend because he's a vampire dick. <laughs> oh darn, I'm scarred. That was beautiful. An ode to Xander. So Buffy faces off against Luke, and which is one of the great tricks that I think they pull, which I think you said they, you looked it up and they pulled it right from the original script, uh, where she tricks him to think that it's dawn and she throws like a spear through the window and he sees like a floodlight from outside and he thinks it's the sun and goes, oh no! Yes. And he's distracted and Buffy uses that period where he thinks the sun is coming up to stake him and foiling the master's plan and dusting Luke. Absolutely. Because something we learn very quickly is that most vampires, especially lackeys, stupid, are really dumb. Dumb as a rock. Really dumb. Yeah. Luke they, will, spent, they will fall for pretty much anything. Luke spent all that time memorizing those cool cryptic prophecies and none of the time learning battle strategies. <laughs> Which is, I also think points out how clever Buffy can be. Like, because she thought to trick him instead of just, like, trying to fight, fight their way him, out of right. it, which I think is probably most Slayer's mistakes, which get them killed. They think if they just keep fighting and just use their pure brawn right. and uh, magical powers, then they'll sit, they'll survive and save the day. But that's not... One thing that sets Buffy apart is her personality and her uh, attachment to others and learning from them. Giles and Willow, um, their information are what allow her to know who who to kill and why. And to know what the real danger is, which is the master. Right. Which is what Giles, ever the optimist, points out at the end. He's like, we're still on a hellmouth. All this shit's still gonna come at us. And the master's still here and he's gonna try again. And we gotta be ready when it does. And then all the Scooby gangs are like, you're a drag, Giles. Let's go <laughs> talk about boys and <laughs> class and... Britney Spears? Is that what 90s kids talked about? I mean, we still talk again about Britney Spears. Madonna. Madonna! And her pointy boob. Boobs. Not just the one. Uh, she had two. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> what was your biggest issue with this episode? Did you have any problems with My this episode? My biggest issue? I, the thing you have to know about me is that I love every episode of <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There are some I can criticize more than others, but season one especially has a place that's very close to my heart. Like, I'll I'll acknowledge that sometimes the, the lines are a little awkwardly delivered, mm -hmm. and that the writing sometimes takes a little more time than it eventually will to get to the action, to get to the character development, but I still really hold season one close to my heart because I had never seen entertainment this in depth before right and it really changed my perception of what good entertainment really is and how it can reveal about us as uh individuals and us as a society and like mo morality and metaphor and blah 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 right so uh, when i have an issue with an episode usually it's objectively but deep down i still love every episode and even the awkward bits i love 
Like, the guy with the soul patch probably is. <laughs> Especially Cordelia at this point. She feels like more of a trope than anything else. She's just there to be contrast to Buffy. Right. She's which, just like, oh, hey, Buffy's the lame, guys. Let's party. Yeah, which thankfully she gets developed out. Oh my god, I love Cordelia, eventually. Cordelia's arc is really impressive. It really is. And you aren't even through it all yet. No, I'm not. Because it continues in a <laughs> spinoff that I haven't watched. No. If you guys like this podcast, then please let us know if you'd like us to eventually do the spinoff Angel, or if there are any other shows you'd like us to do. Yes, and even if you don't want us to do Angel, we're probably going to do it anyway. <laughs> so suck it. <laughs> but also please listen to us. Yes. <laughs> Love you guys. Okay, so no issues. I didn't really have any issues with this episode either. It's just, it's almost too early too early to in, tell. To tell, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's too early to have any problems. I mean, it's... Yeah, there are definitely some episodes that have issues. But, like, there's never anything that's, like, really bad. Right. You know, everything is good in its own way. Or it has good moments. Or, like, There's little... always something to love in each yes, episode. Yes. There's never an episode where I was just... I felt completely unfulfilled. For example, there are definitely episodes of Doctor Who, like the finale of season six, I want to say, when the 11th Doctor, yes. got the, that Christmas special, when he like died for the last time. Yes. That episode was just terrible. I remember watching and going, what even was the plot? Sometimes, yeah, what the plots happened? of the later seasons become so convoluted that I actually enjoyed the the standalone episodes more than the actual overarching uh problem, which sometimes I, I still can't really tell you what the big bad of um, Doctor Who was, which is why I do like Buffy, because the big bad is very clear, right. but they still have individual episodes yes. where... Well, and it's always obvious who they're fighting well. or what they're fighting for, and the the end goal is obvious. And the villains are very well developed, you know, and they're constant, and sometimes they come back, and they're very good. I mean, they're good villains, you know, they're villains you love to hate or love to love. Or they're interesting in some way. Like, the Master is a vampire, but you know he's not... It's not the normal kind of vampire. Right, well, especially because all the other vampires are so dumb. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Just This is very true. But, you know, it almost goes to say, the people who are dumb enough to get bitten and turned into a vampire... Well, you can tell that most of them are kind of newbies, so when there is an old vampire, you they show their age by usually surviving at least one battle with the Slayer. Right. It's like... Carmilla, how do you think you get to be centuries old? You choose your battles. <laughs> yes, um, indeed. Okay, so let's talk about a favorite bit of Buffy dialogue from this episode. Do you have a favorite specific Buffy line that you can remember? There's something you forgot about, too. Sunrise. <laughs> it's in about nine hours, moron. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's a pretty good one. My, I think my favorite one is, so Giles, got anything that could make this day any worse? And he goes, how about the end of the world? And she goes, knew I could count on you. <laughs> trying to think. There's When Xander, after Jesse dies, and he kicks the garbage can and sums up his opinions very, very gracefully. I don't like vampires. I'm gonna take a stand and say they're not good. <laughs> oh, um, there's one scene where Buffy's talking to them about something, and Willow is like, I need to sit down, and Buffy's like, you are sitting, and she goes, oh, good for me. <laughs> Um, there's also, I do like when she, one scene I do enjoy how they filmed it is when Cordelia is like doing the computer assignment and it's all finished and they ask, okay, now how do we send it? And Willow says, deliver. So they 
click the D-E-L button, and it all <laughs> it goes away, lead. and you just <laughs> see Cordelia's face, like, fall, and, like, go into shock, and then they cut to the next scene. I really like that. <laughs> it's, it's humorous. Oh, Willow. <laughs> my other favorite, um, my favorite awkward Buffy moment in this episode is where she's trying to leave the campus, and Flutie oh. catches her and is like, we're not trying to leave campus, are we? And she's like, no, I'm just admiring this fence. This is some quality, quality fence work. <laughs> Also, um, <laughs> oh, just Buffy. there's a lot of Buffy flipping on things in this episode. Yeah. She flips onto the pool table. She flips. I don't know how the fuck she flips over that fucking fence. <laughs> I like the way it's shot. Because she's Buffy. But it looks like she can fly or something. <laughs> I get what they were going for. They want to prove, like, oh, yeah, she has agility. That's her thing. Yeah, I get it. I okay, get it. so what's your favorite part of this episode? Like, out of everything. My favorite part? The ending. I love how the Scoobies are all a unit now. Mm-hmm. Like, Buffy, Willow, and Xander, they're all walking together. They're all talking. And Childs just, like, walks in towards the camera and says, The Earth is, is doomed. doomed. <laughs> and it's Ooh, just... Maybe, it's perfect. I feel like it perfectly solidifies what the show will be about. Right. And it's about these characters and about them Well, they're, they're, they're joking about getting kicked ways. out of school. Mm-hmm. And Willow is like, maybe you could blow stuff up. They're really strict about that. And Buffy's <laughs> like... No, I think I was going to go the old-fashioned way. You know, excessive not studying. Mm-hmm. Sandra, most schools aren't on hell mouths. <laughs> and Giles just like, what the fuck are these young people the thinking? The earth is doomed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good... I mean, I will have to admit that the end of this episode is probably my favorite part, too. Just because it sets up... It sets the bar, the baseline. Mm-hmm. You know, because we've, we've, we've had all these our expectations set for the action. Mm-hmm. And... This, the the end, and that little end sequence with them as buds and Giles being dad, you know, it just sets the baseline of what we are we should expect comedically and plot-wise. Speaking of, that brings <gasps> us into our next segment, Dad, dad Moments! So, 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 Lily, tell me, tell me, tell me, what was your favorite dad moment from our, our, our resident father, Rupert Giles? All of them. Well, yeah. Every dad moment. Oh my gosh, the part where he starts monologuing... Oh, to Willow when he's like... He starts monologuing, and Buffy's like, he loves doing this part. Oh, right. <laughs> she one cut... girl in all the world, a chosen one. And, it's... and she's just like, oh, please, I've heard this a million times. But Willow is just completely enraptured, obviously, because she's never heard this story before. Mm-hmm. He's well... so, And he gets so excited about it. His little watcher, nerdy self, he's like, let me tell you this story. And then afterwards, okay, fine. Buffy's the vampire slayer. Vampires are real, don't tell anybody. <laughs> And um, my favorite dad moment is probably when um, Willow says, I need to help. I don't want to go into the sewers, but I want to help. And Giles is like, well, then help me. Maybe you can wrest some information out of that dread machine when talking about the computer. <laughs> and he, like, does all these British words that all the kids are just kind of, like, staring open-mouthed at him. And Giles realizes he's in a room full of 16-year-olds who are raised in sunny California. And he's like, that was a bit British, wasn't, wasn't it? it? <laughs> and then he, like, translates, and he and Willow do research together. Yes. Wait, is this the episode where um, Willow pulls up the city plans, and he goes, so the city plans are just online to the public, and she goes, well, I of course. stumbled upon them by breaking into their secure internet system. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which does come into play. That's another thing. Willow is very, 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 very good at computers. Oh. She can break into anything. And There's... again... Willow also proves herself very resourceful when she's when she is called upon. Like when she sees Giles gets tackled by uh, Darla, she throws holy water onto Darla's face right. and saves him. 
which originally Darla was supposed to die in this episode, but they said, decided to keep her around for purposes we will go into later. Dun, dun, dun. This mm. episode had a much more action and setup than the uh, previous episode, but right. it also had some very good moments to breathe and like get to know these characters a little bit, get little quirky moments that show you who they are. Some little character development, of course, more amazing writing by Joss, and as always. And of course, explains why people don't know that Sunnydale is full of vampires, because Giles explains people... Uh, see what they want to see and forget what they can because Cordelia's like, it's gang wars. <laughs> it's all gangs. Yes. PCP. PCP. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that's episode two. Mm-hmm. The Harvest. The Harvest. Anything I... else to say? Any more comments on uh, this episode? Really, this episode is where Buffy starts to become the slayer we will know and love. She's she's no longer running around saying, I know I'm not gonna be the slayer at all. I just no. And she I retire. <laughs> she's set up these this relationship with Giles in which she set up the relationship with everyone that will foreshadow what the entire series will be. It's like these people coming together to fight evil. Right. While also maintaining like their characters. They're not what someone pointed out to me subject to the Snyder ray of uninteresting characters where like in Man of Steel at first the characters will seem like quirky and interesting like Lois Lane will be like a, a no and she's like I don't take no shit I'm a sassy reporter and right. then once things become really big she has no character and it's all about like saving the world and that's boring and you definitely know that they started writing the movie at the beginning and start stopped writing the movie at the end mm-hmm. and by the time they got to the end of the movie they were like oh she's still here we have to write her in yeah and all the characters really in man of steel are just they used to be they're interesting but they're at first, but then like all of their character gets sucked away for the sake of the plot. Right. And if you just have a simple plot guiding literally everything with no characters, no interesting nuances, then your film is going to be boring. Right. And the thing is, plot doesn't make a film. Characters make the film. Thank you. And if you have interesting characters, even if they're just sitting around not doing anything, it's gonna be a good movie or TV show or book or whatever. You know, you can have the most mundane... They could be sitting on a park bench. There have been plays! And, 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 and things written about that all the time where it's these interesting characters and they just lock them in a room. And all they, episodes. Yes, and they just have conversations with each other. And sometimes those are the most interesting things. Mm-hmm. More than anything else. And so... It shows that you trust your characters um, to be developed enough that they can hold their own and have these emotionally... Right changing conversations and they don't have to leave the room because you don't know what else to do with them. Right. And that's why part of the reason why I appreciate this show so much because even from the beginning it establishes these extremely strong beautiful characters with intricate emotions and complex levels of feeling and thinking and it's not just you know I'm doing this for my country. I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this for my mom. You know it's Mm -hmm. there are multiple layers to every every action and every non-action and you know they have lots of reasons for doing everything whether it's selfish or which we will that does selfless. kind of foreshadow into the central ph- philosophy of Buffy the Vampire Slayer which I'm, I don't think we need to get into that quite yet not yet <laughs> uh, but overall I think this show 
realizes from an early on that it's destined for bigger things. And you, and you feel that. Like, you see all these characters set up, and they're all interesting, and they have this interesting setup, and you're ready to see more. Because there's so much they can do with it. Right, you are. And, and that's what makes this episode and the show in general so great, is that it's a good beginning. Yes. It's a good start point to bend your knees and jump off the springboard into the pool. Yes. And for... Pool of tears. The pool of tears. Some and happy, emotion. some sad. Mostly, All worth it. Mostly sad. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, Fair uh, enough. Argue with me, Hannah. Do it. I I can't you. argue with you. You're not done yet. <laughs> That's true. I'm not done. But I can't imagine it getting much happier from where I am. I mean, they're not gonna have, like, sunshine and daisies. Well, the beginning was Sunshine and Daisies. Yeah, Xander's best friend fucking died. Okay, that's not what I mean. It... <laughs> Never mind. Just watch the show. <laughs> so this has been another episode of Watcher's Cast with me, Lillian Croc. And me, Hannah Boyens. Alright, support strong female characters, support strong female Pod- development. Podcasters. Podcasters, strong... I like that. S- support, support weak, poor, college female podcasters who are just trying to make a difference in the world. Yes. Uh, we're not you weak. Can we are too. strong women. What am I talking about? And you can too. Like I said before, uh, ask us questions. We really want to hear back from you. And we hope to see you on the next episode of Watchers Cast. Thank you guys well, so much C. for listening. You know what I mean. Yes. Yes. We will be back soon with... Uh, Season 1, Episode 3. And I'll leave you with the words that Giles left the second episode on. The Earth is doomed. Doomed. Doomed! Doomed. Bye! This podcast is brought to you by Lunar Light Studio. Please support our network and our products by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, Tumblr, and SoundCloud, and donating to our Patreon. We're just a bunch of college kids trying to bring our ideas to life, and any support you can give us is much appreciated. Also, if you liked this podcast, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes for us and tell your friends about it. Who knows, we might even give you a shout-out. Finally, thank you so much for listening to Watch Your Cast. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode.